Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Annika Sorenstam is a woman who doesn't need much of an introduction as she's regarded as one of the greatest golfers in history. It's an honor to have her here today. Annika, welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So people say golf is a mental sport. Do you agree? And can you explain to you know us non-golfers listening in? You've previously said, and I, I love this quote, you said your mental strength was your 15th club. So let's talk about <laughs> the role of being mentally tough in golf. Yeah, no, I really believe it is the, the 15th club. And they say the longest distance in golf is between your ears. So that's the longest distance. And but really what it is, is summarize is just your attitude, your, your belief system, your trust, and you're just learning how to be positive, believing in yourself and, and executing what you believe. I mean, a lot of people make decisions and then they question themselves when they're, when they stand over the ball. And, and when you have doubt, we all know that a lot of times that complicates things. So it's about just, I always talk about the most important shot is the now shot, the shot you're supposed to hit now, not the one you hit half an hour ago, not the one you're going to hit in 30 minutes, but being present, being right there at that moment is so important in golf. So in your opinion, is there a trait or skill that the best have in common? Is it a physical skill? Is it just all mental skill? Like what makes the best in golf? I mean, other than, I mean, the obvious, I think, is skills. And I think it really is about performing under pressure, performing when you need to hit that shot, you know, when you have one opportunity and you do it. And I think a lot of the tough players, they know how to how to focus. They know how to stay right there when they need to and they trust themselves. And I think that's really the key. A lot of people bring in negative thoughts. And when you have negative thoughts, it's just hard to do something. You need the mind and the and the body to work together. When you can see a shot, then you can feel the shot. You might even be able to hear the shot. All those things before it happens makes it easier to execute. So I think it's just the believing in yourself and not being afraid. I mean, when we do any sport or anything in life, when there's tension, it makes it a lot harder. And I think the top players are very good at just focusing on what they have to do now and their discipline, and they don't get all the clutter from elsewhere and getting into their concentration bubble. So you mentioned seeing the shot. How big a role does visualization play? I think it's a big plays a big part. I mean, I like to see it first. You kind of again visualize it, see it going in the air, seeing it landing on the green, maybe seeing it going in the in the hole. I always talk about using all your senses because I like to see things first, and then when I see it, I can feel it. Like I mean, I have the feel. I know what it's supposed to feel like when you hit a good shot. And then I always tell people, just hear the claps, hear the ball go in. I mean, you're using all your senses to create that positive feeling, that the atmosphere that you need to be in when you're playing. I mean, it needs to be relaxed. It needs to be focused, but then also be able to be free and not have all these other things come in there and, and paralyze you so you can't do what you're thinking. So in you know taking you know it's, it's been a while uh <laughs> yeah. and i'm curious in retrospect what do you think made you so successful have you thought about that um you know my determination you know and my willingness to to really i would sacrifice sometimes is such a, a strong word but you know it's just just really 
putting everything into it. It's the commitment, I guess is a better word, the commitment on every level. We're not just talking about working on your swing. We're not just talking about your short game. We're not just talking about, I mean, it's in the gym. It's the repetitiveness day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year that you really commit to yourself. I'm focused and very driven. I would say the goal setting and just staying on this path that I believed was my success, my road to success is where you follow this path and you have a lot of patience. So I would say it's a combination. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not six foot tall. I'm not the strongest out there, but just finding my, finding ways for me to find my full potential and just, again, the commitment. I mean, it's not, I know many that just commit for a few months, they commit a little here and it, but it's still a little bit, you know, I did everything. I ate right. You know, I made sure that I had rest. You know, I was very disciplined and scheduled. And I think everybody's different. But for me to be able to do that so regularly helped me be successful for a long time. So there are a lot of professional athletes who have tremendous work ethic, who have tremendous talent, but they never rise to the top, if you will. I'm curious in your experience, I know it's hard to generalize, but what do you think are some of the pitfalls for athletes who seem to have the magic formula, if you will, especially in golf, but just, it doesn't click? Yeah, no, I mean, there are so many great athletes out there that have all the physical skills and like yourself, work ethic, but I think that's where the mental aspect come in is you need to be mentally strong and you always, there's always some player that might not be as strong, might not be as technically sound, somehow they get it done. They're grinders. They don't give up. They just keep trying and they do it their way. And so that determination, you can go, in our case, just hit a bunch of shots on the driving range. But if you're not that driven, if you don't have that constant all the time, and I, I, I compare it to a puzzle. Okay, so let's say there's 10 pieces, 20 pieces. You can't just have eight. You're still missing two. You need to have them all. And the more that they work together, obviously, the, the better it is. But I think a lot of people just don't have that final, the gritty thing that you really need to take you to the next level. So speaking of the next level, I, I'm so mm -hmm. curious. There, there are very few, if any, who, who get to your level. I'm curious, were you able to enjoy all that success and still maintain your love for the sport? How did you manage all the pressure that comes with the expectations of winning as much as you did? There's the, there's yeah. the, the external pressure <laughs> and then there's the internal pressure, which you ha obviously have because it's what made you so, so great. So how did you manage that? Well, I, I don't think that I necessarily smell the roses along the way, which, you know, if I look back, that's probably one of the things that I wish I would have maybe have done but having said that, I don't know if I would have taken the eye off the ball, if you know what I mean. I don't know if I would have been able to do what I did. So it's just, I think I look back at it now and obviously I'm very proud and very I'm happy with my success. But I mean, I was so, so focused, so, so disciplined. I would always, if I finished second in a tournament, I would analyze it. Okay, what could I have done differently? If I won, I would have done, I did the same thing. Why did I bogey 16? Or why did I shoot 74? Or why, you know, I've always... I always tried to get better. It was always this question of why and why didn't I do that? So, I mean, I tried to reach my full potential. It didn't matter if I finished 20th, 10th, or 1. I always kept searching to get better. And that was what, what drove me because I felt like the results and scores, I can't control. I mean, I can control my mindset. I can control what club I'm 
picking, I can control the target and my swing. But as far as, you know, once I always tell people, once the ball leaves the club face, it's, you know, I mean, it's wind, it's all kinds of things that come in and could do something. So I focused a lot on what I can control and what I control is what I wanted to do better. I wasn't just happy with doing it well one hole. I needed to do it two holes and eventually I worked up and I was able to do it 18 holes. Great mindset and great just focus, but that takes a lot of learning. But I think that I probably enjoyed the journey more than necessarily the destination. And what I mean by that is I don't mind putting in the hard work. I don't mind going to the gym sweating. I don't mind standing there beating shot after shot where your hands are bleeding. I wanted the results. And like when I, so if I won a tournament, of course, I was happy and so forth, but I, it was all those shots and all those the memories that I really remember, and I think that's what drove me. So it's not so much, okay, did you smell the roses? I think it was more just in the end, so to really finish up the question about the pressure, in the end, it got to me because I, I would finish the season with 11 wins. I would finish the season with 13 wins, and it's December, and January comes, and it was time to start over it was meaning set new goals okay what's happened next what's going to happen now and i would remember just sitting okay where do you go from winning 13 times i mean if you have to win 14 right or you have to win 15 so i almost got tired just thinking about how exhausting that is because the competition is so tough and so i think in the end i just realized that you know what it's you set the you compare your your journey with results. But in my case, it was just, I wanted to reach my full potential. So in the end, it was, I just realized what more tournaments is not going to change me. I'm very happy where I am. And I actually thought that I had reached my full potential. I knew I couldn't be better. I mean, I had some bad weeks and good weeks, but my good weeks, I knew that was it. That was my roof. That was my ceiling. And I think that's when my, my motivation stopped because when you reach your motivation or your peak, it's like, okay, what's next? So I think that so that was my internal pressure, but the exterior was more she didn't win, she in a slump, or what's wrong with her? <laughs> and that sometimes, but you just have to stay focused on the task. And I could do that for a long time, but eventually I was pretty happy where I where I was. I think that's so interesting because so many professional athletes, and I think this is a good metaphor for life too, struggle, we, and we struggle outside of sport. For us non-professional athletes, the question mm-hmm. of when when's the time to walk away? When's the time to close that chapter? And I think it's especially tough for professional athletes. Some leave at the top of their game, some leave on the way down. It's obvious, it's, they're under the microscope. And I think us mere mortals struggle that, whether it's like leaving a job, whether it's retiring, whether it's leaving a relationship. And with athletes too, many people, you're defined by that. And people, it's a very tough decision. And I'm curious, it sounds like you had a very organic process that makes a lot of sense. Like in your experience, where do, is it, should everyone be thinking about, I love what you said about reaching your potential. There's your journey to your potential and realizing I've reached it. Why do why, that's hard. (laughs) <laughs> to have that self-awareness, yeah. <laughs> that's really hard. Yeah, no, it is. And I think, I mean, I know there was a few moments in my career that I you start to, to realize that something is happening. One, I had an injury in 2007. I was gone for literally from May to August. And it was the middle of the season. I mean, we're talking majors. And I was, I couldn't believe that I was, 
I first I didn't want to accept that I was injured, and I never forget that the doctor put a, I had a ruptured uh, disc in my neck, and he put like a neck brace on, and I'm like, okay, when do I take this off? Because I'm teeing off at eight twenty tomorrow, and he's like, you don't get it, do you? You're not playing. I said, what? You know, it's like, okay, okay, oh, all right. So then I was determined to obviously come back because I still felt pretty good about my game, and then when I did come back and I won a tournament. There was a little part of me that said, you know what? I can do this if I want to. I have proven to myself. It wasn't about other people, but I knew I can come back from a set from a setback. And that somehow gave me a peace of mind that I can do it if I want to. Okay. And then, so that was important. And then when I started the year in 2008, I realized my mind wasn't, it wasn't there. It took a little while to like, okay, I'm feeling different. I'm just not engaged i'm not as much into this and then i literally just looked myself in the mirror and i said you have to trust your feelings your heart is not there you every time i tried and i started to play tournaments in january and i started i would always have this extra gear like if i needed to i could always put another gear in the gear was always there but all of a sudden i had run out of gears and it was like i tried and it just wasn't there and i remember my caddy looking at me i said i just it just doesn't I, I, there's, I can't do it. I somehow I, I must not want to do it, even though in part of me said yes and the other. So I think those things started to just add them together. And then when I just realized that I, it was such a relief to just accept that the time has come. And of course, I mean, I'm super, super lucky that I achieved more than I wanted. So maybe it's very easy for me to say that because I achieved what I wanted, but it was a relief to say, you know what? It's okay. And so I haven't looked back um, at all, but again, I achieved what I wanted. So I can understand when you said to other people, whatever they do or other athletes is if they still want to achieve something and you keep trying and it's not happening. There's a little, you know, we are believers. We never give up. So I can see why people don't do it because they're hoping it will turn. And a lot of times it's very difficult to do it when you have already have some doubts. And, but there's so many athletes out there that in my opinion, that have been so successful and they just keep on going, and it's almost like it might just tarnish your own self-worth, if you know what I mean. Like it's just, And that's what I tell people. You know what? It's okay to change chapter. It's okay to close the book and start another. And let me tell you, you have so many skills from golf, and you're going to be successful in whatever you do. You just have to kind of jump ship and, and then give it a try. Because, I mean, all the skills that we learn in, in sports especially, and you know that from basketball, is the work ethic, the patience, the commitment, the discipline. All those things, you go into another field. You're going to need work ethic, discipline, patience, uh, and commitment. So it really is interesting. And a lot of people are forced to quit. And I was lucky I could choose to quit. And it just the reality was right there. And you have to be fair to yourself. I think that's the hardest thing is to just... Okay, be honest. There, there are a lot of great life lessons in there. And I'm curious, in your opinion, like what, specific to golf, sport, what are, in your opinion, some of the greatest life lessons that you've translated into your life after golf? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there's so many. I think what when I look back at what sport has done for me, it's just giving me the confidence to be able to do something I wanted to do. Okay, I was uh, a shy Swede. And I was afraid to raise my hand in class because if I answered the wrong thing, I thought, oh, my classmates would laugh at me. I didn't want to give a winning speech because I didn't want to be on stage or I didn't want to be seen. I just wanted my clubs to do the talking. 
So golf has given me confidence to be able to achieve. And I think that's really important. And of course, when I look at that, then I go, okay, how do I achieve? Well, it's commitment and it's working hard. I mean, my dad told me early on, there are no shortcuts to success. And I know that. So like all the things I do now, whether it's work on the foundation, designing golf courses, the clothing design, the different projects that I'm involved with, I've put literally my heart and soul into it because I know hard work and commitment can give results. And I don't, I don't get discouraged from maybe people's comments or maybe something, whatever it could be, a, a setback of any kind. I don't throw in the towel. And I think that's the key is as long as you stick to your values and you keep working, I'm going to get, you know, I can raise my bar. Is it going to be all the way? I don't know. But when you do that, it's just, and I get, I get satisfaction out of that. I mean, I just keep working. And so I think those are life lessons that's taught me and just about believing in yourself, the human, the human being. And we're all, it's amazing what you can do when you need to. And when you're focused and you're in that, you know, having the courage to try something, it's a good thing. So you mentioned the foundation. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about your foundation and the mission? Yeah, so the Annika Foundation started in 2007. It's literally in that when it was during the time I had my neck brace because I was obviously I couldn't practice. So my mind was just wondering, what am I going to do? And so it was all about giving back to, to young ones in the game of golf. It was very broad early on. And I just literally put my passions together. It's golf, it's youth, and then it was health and fitness. So that's how it started. And uh, so we use uh, health and fitness as a platform now for young girls. So fast forward 12 and a half years forward, we now have seven global tournaments and we have a college tournament. We give out an award to the best collegiate players. We do, it's called Share My Passion Days, which are three hour days where we inspire the really young ones, the six to 12 year olds to just try the game of golf and introduce them to other girls. And then I talk to them and I do a clinic. So I'm involved in all these tournaments. I go to all of them. I mentor some players. And early on when we started, it might sound funny, but in some areas of this world, they didn't have girls only invitationals. It's an invitational. We would be the first one. And are we talking, are we just talking just not so many years ago? It was always boys tournament and girls were always like an add-in or a last minute kind of thing. We are now girls only. So it's been really been really it's been great we have over 600 girls every year we have over 60 countries to participate whether it's in the tournament in the u.s or latin america or europe or china or new zealand 60 countries in all these tournaments together and we have over 45 girls that play on the on the professional tour so i've seen the development it's been fun and our goal is obviously to continue to inspire i mean these are young girls with potential but also help them to build something for the future whether it's golf or just whatever their passions take them. So I, I'm a girl dad. We have two little girls. So I mm -hmm. love your mission. And you are a huge model, role model for women and young girls. And I want to know, we live in a very different world today. We've come, we've come quite far, I think, I hope. I'm curious, what was it like when you were coming up in the sport being a woman in, in a sport dominated by males and how has that evolved? And I'm curious what advice you'd give um, to aspiring female athletes today. Yeah, there's, I agree with you. I think we've come a long ways, uh, but it doesn't mean that we're, we're finished. I think we can continue to go a long ways, but you know, just some examples growing up. So golf again, I mean, this was in Sweden, but you know, Sweden is quite a, a gender neutral place i like to say and but it's still golf is a kind of a it's a, a gentleman sport so growing up there was uh, there was two girls it was myself and then my sister 
So two girls, and then it was probably 15 boys. And we would hang out with them. We would go out. They became our friends. So every summer, we we go out there every day. We hang out. We play soccer on the driving range. We go swim in the lakes. I mean, our summer was spent on the golf course. And, and the boys, they included us. Thank you. But we also, we had to keep up with them. There was no, we were just, we were just friends. So I think that made us stronger because we had to keep up with them. And in college, I would say I come over here and I remember we were wearing men's extra small clothes. They didn't have women's clothing. I mean, it didn't stop us from playing, but I mean, it was not girls driven, lady driven. It wasn't, we had, I mean, all the golf hats, I have a very small head and all the hats were huge. I mean, the, the Velcro literally came out on both sides. It was just, they thought you can just wear small and you'll be okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. I remember going to these stores, to the outlets and buy extra small shirts and the short sleeve went down to my elbow, but that was and then all of a sudden there was a change. You started to get women's equipment. You're starting to get women's golf clothing. And it was just, I mean, it was just, you have seen the, the transformation. And I think you just have to feel like you're including women in many different ways. And those are small things that I've seen. So in terms of today, I'm curious, do you have any practices, mental health practices specifically, that keep you motivated, keep you focused? Were those the same practices you had when you were on the tour? How, how has that evolved? How, how, do you, how do you stay sharp? How do you stay focused? How do you stay motivated? Yeah, I think something that's changed a lot is the mental approach. I don't think people early on focus so much on that. It was just, okay, this is how you hold the golf club. This is how you set up looks. And it's been maybe the last... 25 years where people are starting spending time on, okay, well, how do you practice the mental aspect of it? And it's still a little bit, seems still a little bit like, I call it hocus pocus. I don't know, it's more like a little voodoo. You know, people don't really know how to do it yet. Uh, there's some books out there and there's a lot of psychologists, but I think that it, this is an area that's going to continue to evolve. For me, it was, it was uh, a lot of analyzing, a lot of trying to understand the feelings and the emotions and going back to you know, the basics about, okay, how... How are you preparing? I mean, I'm very, or I was, I should say, I was very cautious how to prepare for a tournament. I like to do things very, very much the same. It was all about routines and creating an environment in my mind where I was, I was ready. I was, I didn't have any clutter. I was just totally focused. And that obviously includes the fitness, the sleeping, eating right and drinking uh, the right things was really important. So the preparation, I think, is gave me uh, a little bit of an edge knowing that I have done everything I could. It's almost like you, you practice for a test and people crunch, read the 10 minutes before class. It's like, okay, it doesn't work that way. You have to do the preparation. And that's what I mean earlier on by the commitment. I was very focused. So I think that gave me an edge just knowing mentally I was ready. And then also I learned how to quickly, I call it associate and dissociate. Really what it is, I remember good shots. I throw out bad shots. Like I don't, I don't remember it. In my opinion, I've never hit a bad shot, okay? I would learn from them and then throw them out. Because when you stand over the ball, we talked about visualizing. You visualize, and I tell people, you have to visualize your best shot, right? You can't visualize this top seven iron down the, down the fairway. You have to see it high and nice and so forth. And therefore, I just go back to my mind. I have, a, I call it the library of shots. I have a lot of shots in my mind. So if I hit a seven iron, aha, I remember that. When I hit a sandwich, I remember the shot I hit at the LPGA Championship. In 2003, I had to hit this wedge over a tree. And I remember that. I remember on a drive. I was at, uh, also in 2003, the last hole at uh, the British Open, I had a really tough drive. And I hit probably the best drive I could ever hit. When I hit a drive today, 
I somehow make my mind go back to that British Open in 2003, and it just gives me this like, whoa, cool feeling, and I can do it. So you need to have those type of feelings in your mind. So that's how I worked on my mental uh, state. It was having good routines, uh, pre-shot routines, preparation, and then learn how to clear your mind for shots. So those are five things I think is really important when you talk about mental training. Uh, some people read books, and like I said, there's some uh, psychology out there, but you know, they're all about focus on the process, not the results. Cause we get, we, we get so result oriented that we get tied up that we, instead of focusing, okay, this is what I got to do. And then let the results kind of follow. I'm so curious, has this crossed over to your life outside of golf preparation, your library, throwing out the bag, <laughs> remembering the, I'm curious, like, is that crossed over to your life today? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is it as clear and cut? I would say no, but I would say a lot of this, I mean, preparation, I, I know that for a fact when it comes to, I mean, having children, it's a different type of preparation. Oh, yes. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know if you don't, if you wake up in the morning and the computers are not charged, where are the backpacks? There's no lunch. So then I, like, I am not, like, I'm not a surprise person. Like, I don't like surprises because I, I think that's just my personality. If it's organized and I know I'm in charge, but when people just throw things, it's like, okay, I don't panic, but it's like, okay, hang on a minute. But just So I like to be prepared. And I feel like, especially with, as you know, we mentioned with kids and being ready, whatever it is, and not last minute scramble. I think it's just being comfortable. And I've always, when I do something, I want to do it right. And I just don't like the last minute thing there. Uh, but I mean, with our tournaments, I mean, I put my work ethic into our foundation. I put my work ethic into to everything I do. So I think it just, I mean, it mirrors your person, personality, right? And But that's what I tell people. There's so many different ways to skin a cat when they say, okay, what was successful for you? And I said, certain things might work for both of us, but you have to find yours because we everybody's so different. But when I always tell these girls that I work with, if you have a good round, we can talk about your shots. But what you really need to talk about is what, what do you think that made you play well today? Is it your warm up? Is it you had a good breakfast? Is it and try to repeat the things that you did and see if it, that's how you create good habits. If you do something, you didn't play well. Was there something different you did? Well, if you did, don't do it again. Like we learn from our mistakes. I, lo I think a lot of people don't learn from their mistakes. They just keep on going when it, it's okay to try a little bit, but also learn from those things and don't do it again. So you, you mentioned preparation and mm -hmm. I know you're passionate about eating clean. And can you talk a little bit about how your passion for eating clean and how does okay. cooking affect your mindset? We're big believers in the power of nutrition here. And I, I, I want to hear from you. How does cooking affect your mindset? Yeah, I mean, I uh, studied nutrition in school, but I would say, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm not extreme because I'm more about creating a, a good, healthy lifestyle. You just, you sprinkle in with a little, some uh, desserts here and there and some cheese here and there. But I think just moderation, I'm very much uh, moderation because I know that if I get too strict I can't keep up with it and I do the other way obviously it's not good for you so you have to create something that you can do every day and not feel like you're on some some weird some weird routines but I think again it's just I try to be basics things I mean we eat a lot of vegetables I'm a believer in water a lot of water but it doesn't mean I, I mean of course I have a glass of wine and the drinks here and there and but it's just the people just overdo it, especially in this country. There's a lot of excess with a lot of things and family eating together is important. I cook most of the time, 99%. We very seldom go out because I want to know what goes in it. And I know what I what we buy and we put it in. So 
we try to do clean as far as just little little ingredients as possible like no preservatives but these are just basic things but I think creating habits early with the kids is important we try to eat at certain times we try to eat together and have that consistency routines are so important and, and one thing I'm very particular with is sleep I think sleep is totally under not underestimated but people don't pay enough time to that I, I think that in a few years we're going to see athletes pay a lot more attention to sleep as far as how much and when to sleep and because that's really what it's all about i mean your body needs to be rested and people are starting to put it all together a little bit more these formulas where how much sleep how much you should you know put strain on your body and so forth i think that's going to be the success but yeah there's no doubt that eating is you know, to get in good shape it starts in the kitchen i mean that's really what they say it is you can work out as hard as you want but if you go in there and threw in a lot of sugar. I'm like, I'm the sugar police in our household. And it's hard today. I mean, it's so hard uh, when you're a working parent and you go to the store and it's just, everything is loaded with sugar and it's a craving, it's an addiction. And it's very difficult to break, I think. And so I think that's going to be a constant battle. <laughs> you can't you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. No, 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 exactly. It, uh, it's so true. It's uh, that could be the hardest thing sometimes is start in the kitchen, and again, I look at, uh, if you want a few tips, I mean, portion sizes, that's really important. And eating, don't eat too late, I mean, too close to bedtime. And those are just small things you can do at any level and moderation. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to keep. We also have to live, right? I mean, if you're not happy, then what's the point? It needs to be a lifestyle. Otherwise, it becomes just uh, something you go extreme on, and then two weeks later, you're done with, and you're back to you know regular programming, if you will, that yeah. wasn't so healthy. Exactly. And so I'm curious, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best. My dad, when he, my dad told me that one time, I was probably 14 or 15 and it was raining outside and I was hitting golf balls and I was cold and I didn't want to be there. So I called him and he picked me up and we drove away and there were some kids hitting balls and, and my dad looked at me and my dad is he's super supportive and loving and so forth, but he's never, he's never been like dominating or telling me what to do it's more okay here's the ball but you got to kick it right but he told me then then Annika I just want you to know there are no shortcuts to success and I'll never forget that and I realized then that I felt a little embarrassed because here I was a little cold and a little wet and I didn't want to practice well how are you going to get better if you don't do it there's no excuses so I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I absolutely live up to every single day I don't mind putting in the hard work to get something done I don't mind getting my hands dirty or break a nail to do something if you know what I mean it's just that's what it takes I'd rather do it than, than have other people do it because then I know I can I get it done and and so I take a lot of responsibility I take a lot of accountability for my actions and that's really what I think the biggest lesson I can teach our children is you just if, if you want to have good grades well then you study if you want to start in your soccer team then you practice there's just uh, no shortcuts to success and uh, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice when you first mm -hmm. got on the tour, what, what advice would that be? You know, I was super shy. I didn't, I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard. I didn't want to, I was afraid to ask other people. I was a good observer. I would look and I would learn and I would listen, which I, I think are good traits, but I was just so cautious because I, I didn't have a ton of confidence I would say and then golf gave me confidence like today I'm I'm a lot more outgoing I am a lot more I mean I'm, I guess with age you learn anyway like you know I, kids in school so we have a sixth grader and a fourth grader 
and if something is not right or like it's not working, I would say, why don't you, let's just uh, send the teacher a note. They were like, oh, no, we don't have to do that. And I, I would have done the same thing. And then you don't get anywhere. Now I'm more like, okay, let's be out front. Let's communicate. Don't be, they always feel like, I don't want to stand out, mommy. I said, you're not standing out. You just, I think maybe that's just a maturing thing. But I think for me personally, I should have done it sooner. And But that comes with confidence and not worrying so much about others. Like today, I don't worry about others. You know what I mean? I feel very free that way. And I think that's just something that golf has given me is just that, freedom of being you that it's okay to be and I'm thankful for that so you mentioned your innate shyness and you speak publicly quite frequently now I'm curious was it just golf mm-hmm. or was there something else that helped you overcome your innate shyness I think that well golf gave me confidence to be able to fulfill my dream like I said to do something and I did it I think playing with the men at the colonial in 2003 was a big deal early on they were well, let's go back a little bit. In 2005, when I won the U.S. Open, I remember I, I was like way under the radar. I was just second year on tour. It wasn't very much. And I win U.S. Open and all of a sudden they were like, oh, here's the new Nancy Lopez. Well, I was like, I was freaking out. I said, I'm not Nancy and I'm not going to pretend to be Nancy. Nancy is wonderful and she has done, but I am not Nancy. I, I, We're not similar. First of all, I mean, she's it's just with different personalities. And I felt like then that I had to somehow try to fit in her shoes, right? It's like, okay, you have to, and I realized I can't fit in her shoes. So, but with the Colonial then, when I stepped out there, I somehow found my niche. I found that people understood who I am and where I come from and my intentions. And I think that was really important. And I think after that is, of course, I mean, I, I take my time making decisions. I take my time analyzing things, but I never second guess. I move on. I make a decision uh, that I thought was right at that moment. And of course, not everything is, but you know, I just kind of move on. It is, we learn from our mistakes and everybody does it and you move on. And that's something that gives me a lot of peace of mind is I just keep on learning, keep on going, keep on learning and being confident who I am. And it's just, we all know that I think in our lives, people come into our lives and people go and you just can't, you just got to make the best out of your life because Today could be your last. You never know. So I think I have that peace of mind in me that I give it all and and we'll see what happens. No, I love that approach, this idea of what you said earlier, focusing on what you can control and letting go of things mm-hmm. you can't. And it's so mm-hmm. hard, it's easy to say, but so hard to do. Mm-hmm. But it is sometimes that simple. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we constantly learn and we constantly have to talk to each other but, you know, life is complicated. You know, you said that early on. It went to let go in, needed, in different uh, environments. And it's, it is, you have to find the balance. I think balance is the most important word in, in our family is, uh, again, with nutrition, not extreme. We find a balance, but just balance of this, a balance of that. And when you have that balance, things work nicely. When one is out of whack, the other one gets out of whack too. So you have to do that. And I think when you are there, it gives you a little more peace of mind. And But life is tough. Like the expectations of everybody, I think it's super high. Kids today, all the things I have to deal with, it's tough. And so I think you have to keep you're trying to keep sane with finding good balance in your life. So I, I, my last question, I'd be remiss not to ask any words of mm-hmm. wisdom for, for someone <laughs> picking up a golf club for the first time. What's, what's your advice? 
Well, first of all, I hope you do. Number one, <laughs> I mean, I have tried every sport, and there's just there's nothing like golf. And I'm not just talking about playing, but being outside, playing different courses, meeting different people. I know right now in COVID, maybe that's not, but golf has been considered a COVID sport. You can be outside and you can keep your distance, and it's healthy. We we talk about the health benefits of golf, especially when you get a little older, and it's uh, mentally stimulating, as you know, uh, maybe sometimes too much, but. Golf is just a fun sport for everybody. We play with our kids. I play with my husband. I play with beginners. I mean, and we play three generations with my parents. You tell me what other sports you can do that. So when you go out and play golf, it's just you can do it on the driving range. You can go to these top golf type of situations. There's a lot of things that you can do with golf. And so, but my only advice would be is to learn the fundamentals or five fundamentals. It's the grip, the setup, the posture, ball position, and aim. Those are it's five things, and then after that, just rip it. But you know the basics and go out and have fun. I love it. Well, mm-hmm. very sage advice from one of the greatest of all time. Thank you. Thank <laughs> well, you so much, well, Annika. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Ken. no, thank you for, uh, for your interest, and good luck with your girls. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>